Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your lunch lady's favorite podcast, a.k.a. the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. Joined, as always, the Barney to my Fred. Chad Sowash is here, and we are super excited to bring in Amy Butchko, VP of Town Acquisition at Maximus. Maximus. Use your own imagination what Maximus. Maximus does if you don't know what they do. Maybe Amy will tell us. Amy, welcome. Thank you for having me today, guys. Give us a Twitter bio. On the Twitter Amy bio? Butchko. So, Well, you did really well. So Amy Butchko, I am Vice President of Talent Acquisition at Maximus. And at Maximus, we are moving people forward. We actually connect citizens uh, to services around government entities around the world. And uh, among other things, and I lead their IT talent acquisition practice. So mm. that is um, my reason for being here today. So to humanize this AI session, okay, mm-hmm. what, what, what do you do for fun? What do you do for fun, Amy? Well, you know, I, as we were having our, our little pre-gaming sort of getting ready for this, I was thinking about like the one thing that I didn't mention where I use a lot of AI and that uh-huh. is in my fantasy football practice. Oh, so I think you're actually right. Re- like the she has red, a degree and the she little practices red, fantasy the, football. The red blob back there, which is yeah. where I, I take my, my red pottery bag to go and, and make pots on the weekends. But but I do use AI and, and a lot of apps to help me with my uh, my waiver wire pickups and stuff. So we can talk about that. So those are two things that I do in my spare time. So much swag. I, I think that would be cool. Like just oh. Maximus. It's it actually is pretty fabulous swag. I don't. I'm trying to see if I have any. I think is I it have like gladiator themed? Because I really feel like it should be gladiator <laughs> themed. She has a she has an armor plate. She has yeah, it, a oh um, yeah whatever that. We'll save we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's go ahead and kick this off. Thanks for joining us, kids. Uh, we're going to talk about AI today in a variety of ways. We've got Amy on here because she has a, a deep understanding of a lot of things and mainly being a practitioner in this space. So let's go ahead and dig into it. So first and foremost, Amy, I'm going to ask the question that everybody's been asking. We're just going to hit it right out of the gate. Will AI kill recruiting jobs or is the jury still out? Oh, my God. Buy him a drink first, Sowash. Don't go no. right for the jugular, uh, man. Right for, him, right for him. We only have 30 minutes, man. We got to make this count. Okay. Okay. Let's go. So I will, I will be relatively controversial here, I think. Ooh. I do not think it is going to kill recruiting jobs. I think okay. that as long as we are still hiring people, Yes, we will need people. I think you guys have some different perspectives, though. So I can okay. I can kind it of won't yield kill recruiting jobs, but will there be less recruiters? Maybe it depends on if our jobs get more <laughs> complex. You know, because well, one of the things that we've that we've talked about is the fact that being AI enabled makes us more capable in some ways, right? It's like yeah. having a bionic a bionic partner, mm-hmm. and when you do that, things can get more complex. Things in right. my world are already pretty complex, <laughs> so so far, um, we still need people to unravel. That you know, what do the job? What do the people need to do? How do we find those people? How do we talk mm-hmm. to those people once we find them? That's the kind of stuff that makes me doubt that we can dehumanize 
is, is Maximus adding or decreasing or s- stabilizing headcount in the recruiting sphere? In my space, we're pretty stable. Okay. And and you, we have been. I've been here for what, about you, a year. Are you increasing? Like, is is the ivory tower talking about increasing or decreasing headcount for recruiters in the next twelve months? The ivory tower doesn't typically dictate that in the world that I'm in. Um, okay. Typically, the way the way that because so Maximus is a government contractor in the United States. We do have a global presence, but the vast majority of the stuff that I do is based here in the U.S. And the way that I would describe my ever constant strategy for how I staff my team is it's always based on the business. So if we win a new contract, if we need additional resources to help support that, we hire. And otherwise, we support the business that we have with the right number of recruiters. And, you know, and metrics play into that, you know, and it, I know we didn't really talk about this much in the in the lead up. But, you know, one of the things that really helps us is knowing from a data perspective and being able to aggregate the kind of data that we can get now out of recruiting systems about, you know, how many recs can a recruiter handle of a certain genre and then really be able to know what your staffing levels are. So the ivory tower informed by, you know, whoever that is mm-hmm. informed by data. The great Oz. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if I, let me know if that guy's around because he doesn't really work at Maximus as far as I know, <laughs> nor any place where I've been. You know, it's really about trying to figure out what your resources need to be to meet the demand of the day. Right. So uh, let's dig a little bit more into that, because that's fairly general with regard mm-hmm. to whether you're going to have more recruiters or less recruiters. Yep. I, it's, to me, the discussions around being able to take some of the, the really menial tasks off the recruiter's plate by using mm-hmm. technology, mm-hmm. number one, to make them more efficient, yep. uh, number one, now that AI, and again, we're talking about recruiting versus like the full sphere of like the job market. AI in itself, if it is historically like every other technology, it's going to create new and more jobs. So therefore, you're going to need more recruiters to be able to fill those jobs within. So what you're looking at, and 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 just again, this is just my my vantage point, is that you're going to have more efficient recruiters. You're going to have smarter recruiters yeah. who know how to actually utilize technology, and yeah. you're going to need more efficient recruiters because you're going to have more jobs and different jobs to be able to fill. Do you feel like I'm in line there, or is it is it, it am I too not dystopian enough, uh, like like Joel? I think that some Joel Cheeseman skepticism is warranted here. It's always good. It's always good. Uh, yeah, I think you you, you never want to be the one that's that's wrong in the direction that that you could be wrong. <laughs> Chad, <laughs> you know. So you know, I think that the one of the things that that is missing from from your your hypothesis though is that you know the complexity of the jobs that we are filling will also potentially increase, and when that happens, you know. The, our ability to sort of unpack what a skill set would be to even fill one of those roles. Like, what right. do I need if I'm hiring a data engineer? It's very different than when if, if I was doing that from 10 years ago. And AI could help me know more about that as a recruiter in layman's terms and, and help me both speak to candidates and be more informed when I'm talking to a hiring leader who's probably very technical. So from that perspective, I think that, you know, that that augmentation piece helps Um, not ready to go full dystopia. But, you know, I wouldn't rule it out either, you know. Right. So, I mean, literally automation AI thus far, conversational AI, whatever you'd like to call it, Mm -hmm. has been great for high volume roles. 
Yeah. Right. So to be able to, again, to be able to, to, to scale, right. To, to yep. be able to scale the need, which uh, has given in many cases, job seekers a much better experience. So instead of going into a black hole, they go into, you know, a, a bot for uh, conversation for uh, prospectively um, scoring scheduling and then and then getting into uh interviewing do you see because high volume is much easier in many cases it's a, it's a heartbeat and are you close to the job right mm-hmm. um in, in some cases uh, do you see that scaling up to more to, to more complex positions and, and how quick do you think we we see that kind of scale in our space we're not there yet in my opinion we huh. we are not there yet. I think that in in the high volume spaces, yes, they there are mechanisms, and and we have them here at Maximus. I don't run that team. There's an extremely talented group of people who does that here, mm-hmm. um, it, but it is a different skill to do this at at that type of scale. How are you guys? Because upscaling to me seems like that is more important than maybe it's ever been. When you talk about mm-hmm. these new skills, these new technologies, yep. how does your organization look at upskilling? What are you doing to sort of prepare for the future? What tips would you give other companies that are in the same situation? So when I am evaluating a recruiter or if I'm evaluating, even myself, you know, I'm looking at, you know, are we using the tool sets that we have today? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the stuff that you were, were just saying, Chad, about, you know, a great candidate experience with chatbots and being able to get instant answers and get out of the black hole, it's still not happening. I mean, we need to get Kevin Grossman on here to tell us about that. But mm-hmm. go ask him. He would, t- it's you not, know, it's, it's not, not happening, happening in general, but it is happening for some companies who are, are, are utilizing who are, that. Who are yeah. utilizing the technology the right. way it is truly intended. And and I think that, Joel, to, to answer your question, it I do think it's a skill issue. I think it is about training your recruiters. You know, one of the things that that happened when um, when I got here was, you know, there were a lot of tools around and not particularly well utilized. There was there were some misconceptions that the tools work themselves and they don't. You know, yeah. there are some fantastic tools that can build Boolean strings, but, you know, if you give it junk, it's still going to spit out a dumb string, yeah. right? And it's going to spit spit back bad results. Yeah. And and there's a story we talked about. You mentioned upscaling and education, but also communication, mm-hmm. because we had a story a few weeks ago about a, a, a guy who applied to McDonald's, which uses a chat bot or conversational yep. AI. The guy went through the process, talked talked to what he thought was a, a recruiter. It was a mach- it was a robot, but he thought it was a recruiter, which is okay. good and bad in this case. Sure. But went through the whole process, scheduled it, showed up for the interview, walked to the front counter and said, I'm here for my interview. And they had no idea what he was talking about and gave him a paper application to fill out when he showed up. There was no one in management that knew what the hell was going on. So right. talk about the importance of communication, of understanding like, Hey, everybody, we have this AI tool that is scheduling interviews. And when people come in, if they say I'm ready for my interview, that's because we're using this service. That communication apparently is not happening. Right. And and, and what tips would you give for companies to start having those conversations and, and helping job seekers understand what's going on as well as your employees who may not know what's going on? I, I, that uh, That experience, I think, probably happens 
more often than, than we would ever imagine. I was actually just recalling when I went to Quest Diagnostics to go check in and go get my blood drawn. And I was supposed to be able to check in from my phone and I was supposed to check in from the kiosk, but nobody told me that. So I sat in my car and then I came in and they were like, oh yeah, that app doesn't work. And I was like, oh, cool. Can I still... <laughs> okay, great. You know, so it's that kind of stuff where the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And and mm-hmm. it's that those human connections that still have to be made. And it's not that, you know, somebody from, you know, I guess Oz or the, you know, the ivory tower was supposed to come down and tell that McDonald's manager what to do. It was that, you know, their systems and their people weren't connected. And who's responsible? Who is like? Is it should the vendor be having you know on-site classes about what's going on? Is it the buyer that should be educated? Like who's responsible for you know filling the gaps in here, building the bridges? So who's responsible for making the hire? You know, I mean, I think that ultimately it comes down to Boom. to those people. It's us. We we are the solution, and we are the problem when yeah. it comes to that. And let me throw that out to you even more in a historical fashion. We, we, we had applicant tracking systems come on the, on the scene fair, you know, fairly early, late nineties, early two thousands. They were very basic. They were, they were streamlined. And then we got involved. The, the, the humans got involved and mm-hmm. we started to make these processes more complex where it was a five minute uh, application versus a 30 minute application where they needed blood samples, social security number, everything, right? Firstborn, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we're talking about this, like the, the problem that Joel was just talking about, mm-hmm. and then also the setup for the future. Mm-hmm. As a practitioner, what kind of guidance would you give to the, you know, the other practitioners that are out there to be able to think more in simplicity versus complexity? Do you think that is is incredibly key as we move forward? Or do you think that there I mean, there, there's a necessity to be complex right out of the gate? Mm. So I think some of the best advice I've ever gotten as a professional is to simplify my communication. Um, it's the advice I still give to everyone, including myself. Um, right. To, to make things, to make things easier. I actually, I, I take issue with the idea that the humans made the complexity. I, um, I run across far too many vendors who think that they've invented HR and that they know how it should happen. (laughs) And I, I'm not, you know, and I, you know, and no disparagement. I love tech. Love it. Yeah. I love it. I love being able to layer technology on top of technology and figure out what the right workflows are. But ultimately, you know, the idea that it starts with tech and then the people came in is absolutely backwards. Okay. So if you're designing for the human, so if you're thinking in your head, so in Joel's example, if we're actually thinking about that guy who just is looking for that job and working backwards from his experience, Mm -hmm then you might have a system that works. Do we ignore the job seeker too much in tech? I think you and I, I think we ignore the job seeker. I think we ignore the recruiter. Okay. Um, I, you know, I've also, I've also found, you know, enough systems in my time that, you know, are, are geared toward communicating to whom they think, you know, what the executives want to know, which is also based on how the, how people think recruiting is done versus how it is actually, you know, really done in the wild. So I think that, yes. So when we start to talk about 
AI, it seems like th there's all this, this noise as an AI, as an RPA, as an automation, and mm -hmm. we're really focused heavily on the how, mm -hmm. how is this being done versus the actual final outcome or the, or, yeah. or the, or the product. Mm -hmm. um, do, do, should we be focused more? I mean, on that outcome and then work our way back into the how, or is the how really important just right out of the gate? Because I, I don't think HR professionals have enough time to dig into what AI is, large language models are mm -hmm. RP versus RPA and automation. And they kind of lose sight over the, the final product. So, so mm -hmm. what's, your, what's your advice around that? Oh gosh, well, that's a big one. And you know, I think that it really goes back to trying to figure out what you are really solving for. Mm -hmm. You know, if the idea is that you're, you know, you think you need to hi solve hiring, you're going to come out with a different outcome than if you are, how do we make a great experience for somebody who wants to go to work at a McDonald's in Indianapolis? Like, it's just, a it's just a different point of view. And I think being able to kind of shift your point of view could, could be helpful there. So in, you know, to answer the question more specifically about the how and the what when it comes to like using chat GPT, mm -hmm. you know, I think on my team, I probably have maybe 50% adoption. <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, it's kind of an infuriating tool. If you ask it the wrong question, or you don't, if you haven't figured out how to write the prompts to get the answers that you need, like if, if you know, I have recruiters who are very sophisticated at it, on the other hand, where they'll, you know, overlay a job profile in a, you know, in a, 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 de-identified resume to protect PII, because that's what we do here, mm -hmm. and make sure that you are aligning skills to jobs, and then you can help have the machine help you see the gaps more quickly. That is an example that one of my team members gave to me, which was, is fabulous. But like, how did she figure out how to write the prompts to make that happen? What questions is she asking? Yeah. And that's where, Joel, skill becomes really super important. And it's yeah. still important when you're operating the robot. Yeah, but you said something there that I think is important where you're trying to solve hiring. Uh, and that's and that's a big job. That's it's yeah. a big job trying to solve hiring versus what I think some of these technologies help us with are the tasks of hiring and being yeah. able to write better jobs descriptions or at least give us a co-piloting opportunity to, to write better job descriptions, uh, sourcing, yep. scheduling interviewing yep. scoring i mean all these different things it should we should we not just break it down into the tasks as opposed to hiring as a whole because it feels like an elephant and we're trying to eat the whole damn thing at once one thousand percent right that's exactly right the the complexity is is both it's it's the problem and it's the solution because RPA you know robotic process automation is uh. basically it's zeros and ones it's yeses and nos if this do that if not this then do something else mm -hmm. those that's your decision set <laughs> so you know so you're you know one of the other things that when you talk about um, augmented capabilities on the part of recruiters. Mm -hmm. It actually, um, we we did not talk about this in the prep, but it, this question reminds me of a, some Gartner research that I was looking at recently that was talking about how a recruiter can hold a certain number of racks on average to be, you know, and that's pretty much like their, that's their ceiling. Like, you know, a recruiter can hold X racks. Right. If you add a sorcerer person, assuming this is a person, add a mm -hmm. sorcerer, they're 
about 20% more effective. If you had a coordinator, which to your point is about the scheduling and the and all of that stuff that goes behind the scenes, they can right. be about 50% more effective, which definitely speaks to the idea of how much time some of these quote simple tasks really take. They're not yeah. that simple, Chad. They're yeah. just not that simple. Yeah. The the nudging and the continued engagement as we've seen some of the conversational AI platforms and some of the other platforms, one of the things that we've not done well as humans, because yep. there's from a scale standpoint, we just can't do it yep. is reaching out to every single uh, applicant to be able to give them updates and or uh, remind them that, Hey, tomorrow you have an interview or to remind them, Hey, tomorrow is your first day. Right. Yep. I mean, it, none of that simple. It's just yep. that from the, the human standpoint, we can't scale. Well, I just, I think in lieu of this, I want to ask about Amy's filter and, you know, I don't want to go as far back as to say like, let's just call, I'll go to rotary phones and ditch the technology. But, but every, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and every time I think, okay, we've hit our max tech startup Mm -hmm. valuation, you know, ceiling, we bust through it and go towards another one. Mm -hmm. What do you look at with either buying a new technology, using a new technology, what questions do you ask to make sure it's useful? What are you asking your team or what are you tracking in your team that would make you decide like, this isn't working, we're getting rid of it. This works, we need to do more of it. Do you have a process right now? Because I think a lot of companies are just inundated and overwhelmed with the amount of tools and you doing this for long, as long as you have, probably have some good tips on how to, to filter some of that stuff. You know, gosh, filtering out all of that noise and complexity, right? And I need a robot to do that, right? I think that um, my spam filter is, is you know, a great yeah. first cut. To be a little bit more serious about it, the I was, I'm thinking about a couple of RFP processes that I've been in, involved in at different companies mm -hmm. um, and evaluating vendors alongside each other. Mm -hmm. And one thing for me that, that is a huge red flag is when I get the sense that the tech has been created around what would be cool or what an executive thinks that they need to hear. Right. Yeah. 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 Versus what is real. And, you know, for, you know, for example, you know, if you're thinking about, talent mobility, which is a big topic in our industry right now, because, you know, this is how do we work with the people who already are here who may have yeah. desires to do something different or where the business is shifting so fast, right? You know, some of what we are dealing with in industry right now is the, the fact that the jobs aren't necessarily disappearing, but they're moving over there. And we've got to figure out how to get the people over there. And if you start thinking about like software to begin doing that, and then you start, you know, thinking you got to like input all these like really complex human qualities into it, along with a with an ever increasing complex set of skills, it's mm -hmm. it's just it's dizzying. So when I think about how to do something like that with tech, I do try to kind of dumb it down and think, okay, if I'm if I've got this person and I've got this job, how would I make that transition as a human? To, to help them and then think about if the technology is mirroring that, because I don't think that we're going to be able to do this in a way that's not intuitive to us as people. So we've got to get to this because I think this is one of the most important questions for any practitioner that's out there. Yep. If I do see a reason to, to, to buy this new tech, 
Yeah. How do I get budget for it? I, I don't have budget for tools. I, I, I only have budget for what I have right now. How do I get new budget? I know that you've done this before and yeah. you have experience about get, getting budget. And, and most practitioners don't. They just sit there with their arms crossed and say, well, I just don't have any, any more budget. That's not the right answer. How do you go get more budget? Well, I think that in the, the way I have done it is basically proving results with simple steps first. You know, because some of this, I mean, you guys, this is not rocket science, right? I mean, we're bright, but this is not rocket science. So we're, you know, if you've got a problem that you can solve with a piece of tech that mm -hmm. could potentially be done without a person, that's a great business case to make, especially if you can start small with a license that doesn't cost that much. And mm -hmm. then you prove your case and then you can expand. Or if you've got other stuff laying around that somebody bought that maybe was there before you um, that isn't working so well, maybe you can shrink that footprint a little bit and, and really show value. So I think it could be both. It could be taking, you know, like there's a, there's some tool sets that, that are just outdated um, and, and things in our industry do become outdated. We, we don't need to name names. Just go listen to your podcast. You can hear all about them um, and, and find out which names are becoming outdated. But really think about like what your existing stack is doing for you. Mm -hmm. And if you can start to cut first, great then you can repurpose. And once you've repurposed, you can incubate, prove your process, and then expand. Mm -hmm. And that that is essentially the logic that I follow. Yeah. Amy, I want to get, uh, get you out on this. Governments are sort of freaking out about AI, particularly from the hiring, employment yeah. side of the house. We've seen laws from New York, Illinois, California. Companies are asking, how do I make sure my AI is clean? I'm not going to get in trouble by the feds. Uh, yep. What are some things that you want to make sure questions you want to ask your AI or policies that you have to make sure that you keep yourself uh, out, out of the, uh, the, the crosshairs of, of the EEOC and other legal bodies? Easiest question of the day. I stay very tight with my privacy and my compliance and my IT departments. Know those people by name and and have folks that you can call who are experts. I know at least five different experts that I can call within my company and a few mm -hmm. people outside that are that can inform me and i don't make those decisions delegate delegate so, delegate so we've inform. heard inform yes <laughs> i i uh i think uh we, we've we've heard that companies have backed away from new technology mm -hmm. and yep. ai and saying look these things are just the, the these these regulations are way too onerous uh this yep. new new york uh, regulation says once yep. a year you have to get your AI audited, which I think is it, it's not often enough. But anyway, we've seen companies actually back away from using this mm -hmm. new tech. Are yep. they going to be able to compete for top talent or really just to be able to fill their roles if they don't use that new technology, the new tech in this new environment? We're going to have to all adapt. That my That's my take. We're going to have to adapt. I, I don't see us being able to go full on Luddite here. Uh, you know, we're not going back to the classifieds. We're not going back to to old traditional. We're just we're not. Mm -hmm. So finding how you know, and I and actually that's one of the things I love about where I am right now is there's so many people that are smarter than I am about this that I can be like, hey, so explain to me how we can do this in the bounds, and then we keep talking because every day it changes. Yeah.
Well, and, and to, for me, that is the smartest thing that I, I have ever learned is that when I'm not an expert in an area, go find one because you're not going to become one overnight. That's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Well, and if you were today on this topic, you're already outdated tomorrow. So you got, <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. It's yes. the truth. You, yeah. Right. So, so we've got to, you know, so stay, stay fresh. <laughs> Outdated, much like my wardrobe. Uh, Amy, we have one question real quickly, and and okay. we'll close this go. out. Uh, somebody wants to know what is the title of the research from Gartner that you uh, recruiter source or coordinator efficiency? There was a, a research. I that you... I think it was. I think it might have been that. I I don't remember. It is in my Gartner thing that is not on my um, on my other screen right now. But you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I think that Sue has my um, my contacts. And I will find it. And that answers my last question about how someone would connect with you. I am Cheese. He is Chad. You can find out more about us at chadcheese.com. If you listen to podcasts, check it out because we drop knowledge bombs just like we did today. Thanks to ATAP for having us. And uh, as far as I know, this is the closing of our interview. All right. Happy TA day. We out. We out. Wow. Look at you. You made it through an entire episode of the Chat and Cheese podcast. Or maybe you cheated and fast-forwarded to the end. Either way, there's no doubt you wish you had that time back. Valuable time you could have used to buy a nutritious meal at Taco Bell, enjoy a pour of your favorite whiskey, or just watch big booty Latinas and bug fights on TikTok. No, you hung out with these two chuckleheads instead. Now go take a shower and wash off all the guilt. But save some soap, because you'll be back. Like an awful train wreck, you can't look away. And like Chad's favorite western, you can't quit them either. We out. <laughs>